and welcome to Minute 43 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Travis Bow of the Watchmen Minute. Welcome back to the show, Travis. Hello there. Hello there. You sounded like uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi with that. That's uh... <laughs> That was the that was the the hope. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. But let's hope Alex and Pete, uh, you know, uh, don't get upset about that. Come on, send me a yeah. cease and desist. <laughs> Wait, from them or from uh, or from <laughs> Lucas <laughs> or Disney? Who knows? Right. <laughs> now you don't want any cease and desist anyway. Doesn't matter from who. <laughs> All right. So minute forty three begins with McLean ducking very quickly and ends with Holly looking on knowingly. So yesterday we ended the minute with uh, John taking a ride on the top of an elevator. And this minute opens up with him looking up and realizing that, oh, I should have, uh, you know, I should have been paying more attention. And he has to quickly duck down so that his head doesn't uh, smash up against one of the uh, metal beams. I, I think yeah. that would have, uh, you know, that would have made this a 43 minute movie had that <laughs> happened. <laughs> or 42 and change. How's that? Yeah. I don't think I don't, we would have even made it to 43. <laughs> I don't know if this is this elevator peril is necessary. You know, it's it's not a direct threat from the bad guys. It's just, a, an, I guess, an indirect threat of being in the, the inner workings of this building. So I don't know that it's necessary. Um, I it agree just with feels you. tacked on. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it, it wasn't necessary at all. It would have worked. If later on at some point in the movie, someone else would have been on the elevator and they're, right. then they, they would have gotten their head smashed. And then it would be like, OK, now we know why, you know, it's, uh, you know, Chekhov's uh, uh, elevator shaft. I don't know. Yeah. Chekhov's uh, elevator bar. But but it isn't. That's the thing. It doesn't right. it, it doesn't add to or maybe the idea here is to make us think that later on this is going to happen. It's a uh, I guess you could say a, a far Chekhov uh uh, elevator yeah. beam. <laughs> Who knows? Let, let's see how we can fake them out. Yeah. Who knows? And it works. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think it just, I think it's also trying to show the amount of stress that John is under, that he's not really paying attention to everything that's going on, even though he's right. paying attention to a lot of things. You know, I think, I think that's sure. what it uh, partially has to do with it. But also, like, what's really funny, as the elevator stops, if you pay attention, you see that he, like, shakes his head. Yeah, yeah, I do like that. I you know, that. like like in a uh, cartoonish way. Mm. You know, like uh, something that Bugs Bunny would do or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> uh, wow, that was close. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, And then we see him, you know, start maneuvering himself out of all of these... Uh, uh, metal beams. Yeah. I'd like that there's a bit of this in this, this minute, especially that shows him in the inner workings of this building that, you know, this isn't an area that's just under construction. Like this is literally a part of the building that not many people would get to see, you know, it's little uh, catwalks and ladders and tiny door you know, access hatches and, and things like that, that would wouldn't be very common for people to to see you know i I like him sneaking around in this area 
Yeah, especially, I mean, it goes back to what we were saying before about the, you know, the the whole idea of, of you know, Chekhov's, this is, this is in order for us to understand later when he goes through these things, mm-hmm. you know, so we get an idea of where he is. So first we're right. they're mapping it out for us, you know, but it is an area that's still under construction because when he, sure. when he comes out of the, the, the shaft itself, you can see behind him a, uh, you know, a, a wall that is definitely sheetrock because it still has like plaster on the side and and a whole bunch of like spots around it and stuff like that so it's still under construction even though it's 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 pretty close to being completed let's put it that way right you know it's not really on there and then uh, integral to finish this before something else yeah apparently right and then he he completely he goes around this obstacle course and and opens an anxious hatch and what's really funny is, is he just like crouches down and easily jumps through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like with no effort whatsoever. A little bunny hop, yeah. Yeah, which is really funny because it's like a, you know, as you said, it's a it's a, a a shortened access hatch. It's like uh, you know, I guess half the size of 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 a man. You know, yeah. if if he's standing up, I think it it comes it starts at his waist that type of thing. But for him to jump through it the way he does is is pretty interesting. And it's pretty pretty effective, you know. And as he's running down this corridor, so we see a bunch of things on the side of the of the wall. It's on the right hand side. It's on his right hand side, but it's on our left hand side because he's running towards us. So we first of all see uh, a lot of like electrical panels with they, they look like fuse boxes or something like that. Uh, there's actually like two of them or three of them, something like that. Yeah. Plus there are three clipboards that are hanging. From a uh, from some sort of cork board, what it looks like, or cardboard, something like that. And then there's like this picture that looks like a has a Chinese figure on it or something like that. It it looks to me very familiar, but I, I couldn't really place it. You know, the shot isn't that great to get a complete idea as to what that is, though. But what 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 jumped out at me is are the clipboards. You know, I never noticed them before. Okay. okay. Have, have you ever used a clipboard? Do you use one? Uh, not in my day to day. Nor yeah, you know, I have in the past. Okay, I've, so, I've been known to clip clip a few things to board. Right. So I mean, as a kid, I loved using clipboards. I had yeah. I had two that I either I acquired them in the house somewhere or I bought them. I don't remember how that was. You know, and I I would always use them. You know, whenever I was writing out of my ideas of things and. You know, I, I, as a kid, I would always write out stories and things like that. So I would always walk around with a clipboard. And I actually, about a year or two, came across them, and I, I use them now. And it's really funny here. I'm going to actually show you that I have a clipboard <laughs> next to me as I'm as I'm doing this. Uh, so yeah. Travis got to see it. Not everyone Ooh, else does. Sorry. I you know, do have a clipboard really next there. to me as well. Ooh, I mean, it's buried under some some comics and stuff, and it's covered in stickers. But yeah. Right, so Sometimes. I use it both both as a mouse pad, but yeah. I also use it when I'm when I'm uh, you know when I'm taking notes and I'm not necessarily at a desk or something like that. You know when I'm yeah. you know do, taking notes for 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 my show. And that's probably exactly what I've used this one for. Is if I'm downstairs watching a movie in front of the the television, I will clip my uh, my little moleskin notebook. You know, clip one side of it under the clip, and then. Yeah, take take my notes on my lap, but for the most part now, when I'm watching movies for for podcasts and taking notes, I I just do it at my desk. Right. Okay. So do I. But but it just 
I, I just find it really funny that the clipboards they have here look like the one I just showed you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's something, it's, it, to me, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, my, my, my kids make fun of the fact that I have this clipboard, but then they use it every so often. And sometimes I'm looking for my clipboards just because one of my kids took it because they wanted to use it for something, you know, yeah. whether, you know, because they, they, they learned from me that you can sit on the couch and, and write something and, you know, it's not a big deal, you know, you can use that. And I mean, um, when, whenever I fly, which is not very often, but I take that with me also because then I can actually, you know, write more easily, uh, more easily while I'm on the plane because right. I, I don't like those tray tables. They're, they're, first of all, they're not very sturdy, but on the other hand, you know, they, they have grooves and they have usually have sure. a, a place to put a drink. So when you're writing yeah. on that, it's uh, <laughs> not so comfortable. So what do you know about the history of clipboards? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Not Sorry, I did I. not prepare very well not, for this minute. No, you, Travis, as you know, when when you when you come on my show, you don't have to prepare because I've already prepared. Mm. <laughs> I've already prepared what? to give people a history lesson on on what clipboards. What do you know? Why don't you tell me about clipboards? Oh well, what, that's a great idea. Why don't I do that? <laughs> so a clipboard is a thin, rigid board with a clip on top for holding paper in place. <laughs> okay, it's usually used to support paper with one hand while being able to write with the other. Okay. Especially when you don't have normal writing surfaces to, 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 to use. Right. So how, in, in what year do you think the idea of a clipboard was invented? Um, I'm going to say 1910. Okay. 1870. Probably older. Yeah. 1870. Right. It was, uh, you know, it, it can be constructed from numerous types of material. And uh, this is just a, a partial list. Sometimes it's made from hardboard, aluminum, PVC, uh, poly, uh, polypropylene, high impact uh, polystrene, and Fomex. Okay, so there, there are two different types of designs. You have either the single or the folding. So a single clipboard has usually a single piece of rigid material and some sort of fixing, fixing mechanism along the top. And a folding clipboard has the additional benefit of, of having extra space available because it allows room to put uh, pen holders and pockets in order yeah. to have like storage and stuff like that. Okay. There, there are numerous kinds which open up, you know, they have like a, um, I guess you can say they have compartments underneath that you can put paperwork inside of them, or you can also keep their, you know, uh, different type of writing implements and things like that. You, you, I, I, I found a picture on Wikipedia, which, which is the type of thing that you see a lot of times in movies where someone will have a clipboard and you can, they open it up and they have stuff on the inside, yeah. that type of stuff. Um, it's used quite often for market research and for surveys. So a lot of times you'll be, you know, you'll be at the shopping mall and someone will come up to you and, and start asking you questions. And, you know, clipboard is the, the most commonly used thing for that because it makes it easier for them to be able to write what they want uh, more or less in midair. Okay. Can you think of any other place where clipboards are very prevalent? Um, I mean, I know I've, you know, we've got them at are, work. You know, are you a sports guy? Uh, what's that? Are you a sports guy? Oh, uh, not really, but yeah, I know what you're, what, you right. know, coaches will use them or whatever. 
Exactly. So a lot of times uh, in, in many sports, the, the coaches would use them, but it's it's very prevalent in the NFL and for football that that uh, many times you'll have like the quarterback on the sidelines carrying some sort of clipboard. So football analysts often use the notion of carrying a clipboard as an object of derision, indicating that the said football player is not good enough to play on the field and is basically, you know, <laughs> just sitting on the side learning, learning all the plays. Okay. That type of thing. Huh. But yeah, it's used often in sports and obviously it's used in businesses and it's used by podcasters worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> All across the world. So and and then there there's two other things that are listed here on the side. So we see a pinup girl mm-hmm. who is uh is without a top. And then we see uh, another picture of three women in uh, bathing suits, just the bottom, but they're turned around, not facing yeah. us. So I decided to do a little bit of research to figure out who is the <laughs> woman in this picture. I did okay. too. You did too. All right. So I'll let you go first. Go ahead. Um, I just did a – I think I just did a Google search of um, nude poster diehard, and it pulled up a – result i think through reddit and it was it said that there were actually three playboy playmates in this movie yes and one is the uh lady that jumps into the arms of her boyfriend when john is uh first arriving in the uh airport right and the then, irony of that one one second i want to say the irony of that one that that was that's uh uh that was the july 1988 playmate of the month terry lynn doss okay. okay now the irony of it is this movie came out in July 1988, meaning that when they filmed it, she wasn't a playmate yet. Sure. Huh. So interesting. that's interesting. Yes. Continue. Um, yeah. The next one is the lady when they're clearing out the offices, her and a coworker, presumably a coworker, having sex. And, and you know, you, you, she's just one of the people that they clear out, like I said. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure what her name is. And okay. That this. is the May 1982 Playmate of the Month. Kim Maline. Mm. Yeah, then, then there's this one who is Pamela Stein. Yes. Who is the playmate of November of 1987, I believe. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is correct. She's the playmate. She's actually the centerfold of the November 1987 issue, Playboy. The cover model was Jessica Hahn. Well, there, there was just a movie that came out recently that had a lot to do with her. Oh, yeah? She she is the, the I, I believe she, yeah she was she was the, the the woman who who had an affair with Jim Baker. Okay. So the the movie The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Sure. That uh, you know came out that uh, Jeff Jessica Chastain won an Oscar for her role in that movie. Okay. So yeah, so that was Jessica Hahn was was the cover model. The centerfold was Pam Stein. Uh, there was an interview with uh, Daniel Ortega. Okay, the 20 questions was given to uh, Kelly McGillis. Oh. And, uh, yeah, that, that's from, from that issue. Well, there you go. Yeah, and so I looked it up on eBay. If you wanted to buy that issue, you can actually find it now for $1.95. Oh, nice. Which which basically means that uh, I, I don't think the its worth went up. If anything, I think it went down. Yeah, <laughs> despite its uh, per- appearance in, uh, in Die Hard. That's true. That's true. Well, because you know you don't have to buy the the Playboy in order <laughs> to see go. the picture. <laughs> you just have to go frame by frame. 
there you go. You just have to to quickly just just uh, freeze frame, and there there you go. You got it. Yeah. What what's what's very interesting is is uh, I mean I wonder how much it cost at the time. You know, on the no, I can't really see. Uh, it cost three fifty if I remember if I can read that properly. Oh, okay. Okay, which means I that yes, meant, like, to, the to price put has this gone in down. A movie. No, 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 no. I meant how much the 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 issue cost. Sure. You know, so yeah, that uh, it it has decreased in value. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Do they, so does the movie have to credit? playboy in in this in the very end when they show you know thanks to whatever i wonder if they have I don't to know, acknowledge a great this question. Or... i don't know that answer i didn't i didn't look into that um it, it wasn't something that, that that i thought of checking yeah i'd be curious uh, i mean because it is someone's copywritten work you know I, I would think that they would have to either get it cleared or acknowledge it at some point um, the the photo of the three ladies, I imagine that's like a. I was trying to see if that was like a Budweiser thing because they did so much advertising in the eighties with, you know, women in, in swimsuits and, and things like that, and it would just say Budweiser on it, you know. But this doesn't seem to. I don't. I see mean, that looks like or, something that would come out of out of like a calendar. Sports Illustrated, uh, you know, sure. or a swimsuit issue or something like that. that that's what it yeah. looks like. Yeah. I don't know. Um, hmm. That's really interesting. It's an interesting question. I mean, IMDb doesn't mention any any of these type of things. There, there are there are like seven people that get special thanks. Yeah, but I don't know if any of them are related to, you know, Playboy. Right. And that's why they would they would actually get permission. Hmm. hmm. Don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to. Uh, you know, I'll have to to keep that in mind when when we get to the credits and. We we're going through them to see if there's anything yeah. that says thanks to Playboy, and then we'll say, "Oh, okay, now I understand why." Maybe you'll maybe find out by because this is um, it's kind of setting it up as a as a, a bit of a landmark here because we're yes. going to be back in this location, you know, I don't know, twenty minutes from now maybe, and then it's kind of a, you know, he even sees it, it's like, okay, I know where I'm at, yeah. So it, it's kind of being used as a something just to kind of make it familiar. So that later on we know he's been here before. So yeah, hmm. interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just tried to do a quick search for uh, you know, do movies have to get permission to use centerfold? And I got all these yeah. different articles, but nothing completely related at sure. all to to what. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that how that really works. I'll have to. Uh, like I said, I'll keep that in mind for later. Sure. It's 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 a good point to 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 bring up here, all right? And then uh, he goes all the way down to the end of the corridor and looks down, you know, again to, to yeah. show us how far down, you know, where where he is, you know. And then he he quickly goes around and 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 gets on this ladder and starts uh, you know climbing down the the ladder. So again, it's it's just used to to show us geographical locations here. Mm. You know, as you said, they're 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 uh, uh, you know trying to point out locations for us for later, so that that yeah. we're familiar as well as he's familiar. That type of thing. It'd be fun if there was a like an infographic with a picture of Nakatomi, the the building, 
and like uh you know how you see a Lord of the Rings map and it'll show everyone's journey from start to finish. It'd be cool if there was a like a just a, a you know view of the of the building with you know John's travel like everywhere because you know I've seen goes, pictures I've seen I've seen views of the building that tell you what's on every floor okay. and what happens on every floor but not oh, okay. but not like uh, you know footprints or dashes yeah, yeah. you know like a Harry Potter type yeah. of thing you know where you have the footprints uh, moving mm. you know from the invisible people you know things like be that fun just a uh, one of those. Uh, so many artists will reinterpret or make their own, you know, movie posters. And sometimes it's a very simple thing with like, I've seen them with, with the Nakatomi building with an explosion at the top. And that's just there because, you know, it's a, it's a semi-recognizable building and you know what happens, you know? Yeah. So stuff like that. So that'd be cool. Kind of a cool way to visually represent the movie. Yeah, it's true. That's true. And then the shot completely changes and we hear screaming and someone says, I want blood. And we see that it's Carl and Carl starts, starts, you know, turning over the desk and causing a lot of, lot of destruction in, I guess, Holly's office. You know, sorry for, sorry to Holly that she's going to have to clean it up later. Hmm. You know, but, uh, you know, he, he, he really gets violent there. You know, someone, someone recently told me that there are places you can, you can go like pay money to go places to break things. You know, right. they have like this this new thing where you, or relatively new thing where where you can go somewhere and pay money to just destroy things for for yeah. uh, for like an hour or whatever it is, you know. <laughs> so Carl Carl needs that. Carl needs to lower his stress level. For you know? sure. And Hans I, I love the fact that Hans is able to basically pin Carl to the to the wall. Sure. You know, Hans is not a very physical person. He's also not uh, very physically imposing, you know, but he's still able to uh, take Carl and throw him up against the wall and say, you'll have it. But and then gets out this long, big mouthful. Yes, uh, a big of... mouthful, but it but it tells us a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay? He says, but let Heinrich plant the detonators and Theo prepare the vault. After we call the police, they'll waste hours trying to negotiate and then you can tear the building apart looking for this man. But until then, we do not alter the plan. So, again, it's great here because Hans is telling both Carl and us his whole plan. Even though I'm assuming right. most people when they're first watching this movie will not catch specifically what he's saying here. But this is his whole plan. <laughs> you know, let's plan the detonators so we can blow up the, the top of the building. Theo has to to get the vault to the point where we're waiting for the seventh lock because what would happen if the police turn off you know the the electricity before they get the sixth lock open you know will they will they get screwed will that stop their thing and then he talks about the fact that they're going to waste hours trying to negotiate yeah and it'll give you time to do all these things and Carl has a great response and if he alters it which he already has. Yeah, <laughs> we know he already has, but uh, he he just does it really really well. The whole thing, and it's it's nice to see that Carl can question Hans and Hans's instincts. You know, and and if you pay attention, Hans has a great reaction to that. His facial expression is, is yeah, 
Um, you know what? You might be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the facial acting that Alan Rickman is doing here is really nice. Just arched eyebrows and kind of the, yeah, you might be onto something. Yeah. We'll Completely. see kind of kind of vibe. Just, yeah. yeah. I uh, actually think now that I'm looking at it that, that Carl turns over Jeannie's uh, desk. Oh, okay. not not uh, you know the secretary, not sure. not Holly's desk, because I think later in the week we will actually see Holly's desk. Okay. So therefore, yeah, I think maybe on Friday we see her desk. So oh, okay. and that and we know happened yet. and we know yeah. later on that 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 Hans does sit at the desk when yeah. when Holly comes into the office. So okay. So it must be that this is Ginny's desk. So conveniently, you know, they had two desks in the room. You know, that, that worked out well for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh as the two of them are arguing we get a shot from the outside looking into in through the window and we get once again holly's viewpoint where she's is looking in and you know she she once again i mean first of all we see uh franco next to you know holding his gun on on all the hostages so it's a great shot that on the left-hand side, you see Franco on the inside of the room holding his gun on them. But then on the right-hand side, you see both Hans and Carl talking in Holly's office, you know, the, the, the shot. And it's very symmetrical because you have the, the blinds right in the middle that, that, yeah. that, cut, the, that cut the scene in two. Mm. You know, the shot, you see the, the right-hand side and the left-hand side of everything. So that's really uh, cool the way that they do that. I like the way the the blinds have naturally have, have flipped direction where uh, Carl has been thrown against the the window here just to yeah but when he walks away they don't go back you'd think that they would have gone back properly no no I think once you if you flip them one direction they don't like they don't reset themselves no but it depends if they're if they were completely flipped or if they were just you know pushed temporarily oh sure you know that, that I think that's with, what I was thinking. I think there's been enough impact, you know, that that yeah. they were definitely flipped for good. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ellis begins to to speak to Holly, and he goes, "What do you think?" And you see on Holly's face that that she she does have a clue as to what's going on. This oh, yeah. isn't. She's not too surprised here with what's going on. Um, and that's the way that this minute ends. Did you have anything else you want to say about this minute? Um, this minute, I really noticed the uh, the score by Michael Kamen, who someone I'm, I'm a big fan of. He did the music for, I believe, the first Mission Impossible, and um, I know him most from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and the Iron Giant score, and the first X Men movie. Um, this like with with uh, John sneaking around up here, it's very very similar to. Um, some of the music in Iron Giant, where the kid is sneaking around in the woods looking for this uh, this uh, monster, so oh, it's wow. just very reminiscent for me. Um, it's very recognizable as Michael Kamen music. Yeah, so, no, I've always loved Michael Kamen's music. Um, he he did the the score for Mr. Holland's Opus. Okay, which is I I, I can listen to that music over and over because it's just great. Okay. And he also did From the Earth to the Moon. Oh, okay. The he Hanks, did Band of Brothers. Uh, he well. did Band of Brothers also. Yeah. yeah, I, I, those, those are all 
you know, scores that I can listen to over yeah. and over. Un- unfortunately, he is no longer with us. No, yeah, he passed away right after, I think right in 2000 maybe, because I remember he did the X-Men score and not too long after, I think he... Well, Band of Brothers was, was 2001, so... Was it? Okay, so early, so it, yeah. No, it's possible that he got it done beforehand. I mean, the, yeah, yeah. It, it's not impossible. Yeah, I you know, know just, one of my the, other, like, favorite things he did was the the first, like, it was called S&M. It was Symphony and Metallica. It was Metallica music put to a score. Or, well, the, the band played along with Michael Kamen and his orchestra. So this is oh, really wow. cool. Yeah, it's really cool. That's really interesting. Right. So he died in 2003 at the age okay. of 55, which oh, was wow. relatively young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he had 68 movie credits. Well, actually, some of them don't count because he has, you know, two diehard credits after he died. Uh, okay. so I guess it's based on the stuff that he did, you know. Sure. But uh, yeah, he did. He did also Frequency, which I love that score also with uh, Dennis Quaid. Uh, it's a time travel uh, movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lethal Weapon Four. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, no, he's he's got some some. Ah, uh, he did the ah, uh, he did the Three Musketeers, the one with oh, okay. uh, with Kiefer Sutherland and Charlie Sheen, and I mean that, that's also a great oh, thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I always liked that movie as yes. a kid. Me too. Even as an adult, I like that one. <laughs> you know, it starts off. I've only I've watched only... it once as an adult, I think, oh, and, okay. and and still enjoyed it, you know. But yeah, I still don't understand why the the the, the song from that movie wasn't nominated <laughs> for anything anywhere. You know, when, yeah. when you have when you have Sting, Brian Adams, and Rod Stewart, Stewart, yeah, doing doing a, a song together, like what did, what did they do wrong? Like, what, right. maybe the song maybe the song wasn't considered original. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. Um. Well. What did it go up against that year? What I don't know what year that was, but that, it, well, it was been. 1993. But but again, that's not. Uh... What year was the Bodyguard? I. No, the Bodyguard was the year before. The Bodyguard was 1992. Oh. Huh. Okay. I don't know. So I'm trying to think. I mean, that, that 93 was the year that that Schindler's List came out, but there was there there wasn't yeah. really a a love song in in no. Schindler's List. Yeah. So that I mean I can understand why it would win score, you know, even yeah. though Michael Kamen's score is great, but it's not John Williams and Schindler's List. But uh, I I don't remember what I'm, I'm at now. I'm actually curious what movie won, uh, you know, best 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 song, original song. Yeah. Okay, that was the year of Aladdin. Okay, that makes a lot oh, of sense. Okay. So a whole new world won won the Oscar. Yeah. Uh, understandably. But again, it's 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 still an honor to be nominated. You yeah. Know? <laughs> right. All right. You have anything else you want to say about this minute before we get into the script? No, I'm good. All right. So oh, again, oh, one one last thing. Yeah, sure. just, I love the way that there's a wedge driven between Carl and Hans here. You know, by because of John's actions. So I like that. Yeah. That's a bit of a through through line through the that will build throughout the movie. But no, that's it. Right. But but I I think it's it's also partially the the idea here that 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 Hans knows the full plan. You know, he's, he's looking at things from, 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 you know, from an intellectual perspective. Right. And um, obviously Carl's is, Carl is dealing, dealing with things from an emotional perspective. Yeah. 
And I think that's what it comes down to. That Hans is basically saying, okay, don't screw things up right now. Yeah. You're going to have time later. This guy is not, he's not going anywhere. I promise you that you're going to get to him, but you know, continue doing what I'm telling you to do because I don't want to mess everything else up. Yeah. So I think that's what it comes down to. A little bit of a similar thing happens in, in Die Hard with a Vengeance between Simon Gruber and uh, his kind of right hand man, I think Targo, or something yes. like that. So Targo, who was who was in Plane Trains and Automobiles. Oh, was he? <laughs> yes, he was the the lawyer who uh, huh. who Neil need, needed to buy. He, he paid him for his taxi at the very beginning. It was in the second oh, okay. week. Okay. The first. It was at the end of the first week. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. Where he says, uh, "You're a thief," and he goes, uh, <laughs> "Close. I'm a lawyer." <laughs> huh. Yeah. So, yeah. So there, there are a few discrepancies here in in the script. First of all, when McLean gets off the elevator, he's in pitch darkness, and it says McLean takes out a coin, a quarter. He stops, switches to a nickel, throws it into the void. It is a full four seconds until we hear it ching and bounce on concrete far below. You don't have to be a mathematics whiz to know it's a long drop. And then McLean goes, Jesus. So then he like walks around cautiously in order to make sure not to fall down. Whatever, not needed, but it it's a fun thing to read, you know that they that they thought of that idea. Yeah. And then the conversation between Hans and Carl is slightly different. Hans says, "I know what you're feeling, but this is not productive." And then Carl says, "He was my only brother, my only family. I want blood for my blood. We search now." <laughs> I'm glad they cut most yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And instead of Ellis saying at the end, "What do you think?" he says, "What's happening?" You know, he's him. You know, re rerun and uh, JJ. Is that their names <laughs> from "What's Happening"? What's happening? I'm sure. What's happening? <laughs> well, you never saw that show? Uh, no, that one was in reruns way before. Yeah. Okay, I, I remember when that was that had its first run in the '80s. So I mm. I, I remember seeing that as a kid. All right, so every Wednesday we have a segment called Hans Hump Day, where my guests will give their top five uh, roles of Alan Rickman. So, what do what what what's your list, Travis? My list would be in number five would be Dogma. Four is Galaxy Quest. Three would be Die Hard. Although I could probably switch Galaxy Quest and Die Hard. In fact, I think I will. Uh, number two would be Quigley Down Under. And then uh, number one is is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay. Why is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves your, your top choice here? That's one no, of I'm my... Not, I'm no, not, I'm not questioning your choice. Sure, I'm sure. wondering what is, you know, what, what's your rationale behind it? Um, it's just that's a movie I, I grew up with. And and just it's probably the first thing I saw him in, um, even though several of these came out, you know, before that, like Quigley. I don't know. Quigley came out right around the same time. Quigley came out and a year then, later. Quigley, I think. Later, uh, Quigley okay. came out. Wait, Quigley came out either in 90 or 92. And Robin okay. Hood came out in 91. I yeah. think I have a feeling that Quigley came out in 92, but I, I, I could Maybe. be wrong. I will. Um. Quigley, no, Quigley, I was right. Quigley came out in 90. So there you go. I was, okay. I was initially right. So Quigley came out the year before, yes. Hmm. So, yeah, just a, it's a movie I grew up with. And I just loved his 
wickedness, just how evil he is in that movie and over the top, you know, I just really love that movie and his performance in it is just unbeatable. Okay. That, that is definitely uh, a fair reason for that. All right. And do you want to tell people once again, how, where they can find Travis Bow? Sure. Um, you can find me on, uh, uh, let's plug Marvel events timeline. Um, that's my comic book, my Marvel specific comic book podcast, where we go through the history of, of Marvel comics. Um, that comes out about once a month. Generally, it's it's a it's kind of a side project for both uh, myself and my co-host. So it's not uh, it doesn't come out as as often as Brian most Lockhart. podcasts do. Yeah. What's that? Brian Lockhart. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> um, so yeah, check that out if you're interested in the history of Marvel Comics, and uh, that's pretty easy to find. Marvel events timeline everywhere. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 a. Uh... A, a listener, and I enjoy that show a lot. Oh, right so, on. Uh, yeah. I, I just wish there were more and that they were yeah, shorter. Yeah, I know. And that they were shorter. There'd be shorter shorter episodes, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, sitting sitting and listening to two hours. No, I don't, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know, I don't think any of yours went two hours, but some of them go. We uh, probably had some that are close. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's fun listening to, but, you know, sometimes right you on. want things broken up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's that's fine. At, Hopefully, at least, as we at go, least they're we'll, there. We'll, get into more of a format and make things a little more streamlined and you know okay but uh, that, that yeah. is definitely fair okay and finding me is quite simple just do a quick search for movie rob minute you can find me on twitter you can find me on facebook and you or you can go to my website movierobminute.com so travis you feel like coming back again tomorrow absolutely all right excellent so until tomorrow yippee yippee